Hello and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George Stahl, joined with Anna Bryant, Scott Reel, and Seth Abram. And we're back for another day of the journey of transformation, this 36-day contemplative journey to understand our personal stories and to live more compassionately and fully uh, in that. And this this is a book that Scott has written to follow up to Journey to Freedom. And hopefully one of these uh, days we'll be able to actually give you a release date. But for right now, we're just taking each of these days and kind of highlighting uh, what Scott's driving at and how these can touch our hearts and our lives in some way that lead to transformation that is experienced and can lead to just more living fully. Today, we want to talk to you about the seeds of possibility. In 1919, farmers in Alabama erected a monument as a tribute to a disaster created by insects that destroyed their cotton crops. Why? Because it led them to convert from cotton to peanut farming, which flourished. They had to rethink their identity. They were farmers, not just cotton farmers. They got outside of the box of a fixed mindset that said it was cotton or nothing, and they had to learn and grow beyond cotton. The same is true for us. We need to grow beyond our past failure and present crisis, beyond gloom and doom. Scott, in in this book, Scott, you uh, said this. You said, we only transform spiritually once we start sowing the right seeds for the kind of harvest we desire. Identity shapes our choices. It's strengthens and focuses on possibilities. And then you said this, identifying ourselves as being in Christ is a key concept. Scott, why does that matter? You know, I was it's I look at it this way for it's kind of a complicated answer because what does that mean to be in Christ and Christ is in me? But what I was thinking is that um, my children, the love that I have seen that I that I poured into them and their mother have poured into them has shaped and their grandparents have poured into them that becomes a part of them it's like you know it's it, it's in them and and they reflect mm-hmm. that and it's you know that's what we know about the this secure attachment and how powerful that is that someone loves you so much that they become a part of who you are. My children will always, they're a part of me physically, spiritually, and, and mentally. They're a part of, of me and the love that I poured into them. And so when Paul is talking here about it, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And, and he then Paul goes on to reflect Christ into every aspect of his life. And so how does Paul go from being a person who persecuted Jews and hunted them down and was against Jesus to being his greatest advocate is when Christ became a part of him. And I think that's the power of grace. And I, and I can go back to the beginning of this journey for me 25 years ago when I read Addictions and Grace by May, and, and May made that statement that's still to this day so profound to me when he said that grace is the most powerful force in the universe. And I really believe it's because it becomes a part of us that Christ is in me, and uh, and as that is manifested into a physical reality and into my neural pathways, into my brain, 
Um, it's how I, it's his, I'm looking through his eyes. I'm looking, I'm loving through his heart and his touch. Um, that is different than me being separate of that, just trying to do everything right. There's, do you see the, the paradigm shift of that? So being being in Christ is this centering, this rootedness that is the most helpful place to be to heal, um, to find hope, to uh, the things that are possible in our life. That's the safest and the most helpful place to to be centered in for the, the possibilities to grow, right? Yeah, I mean, the most pure, the purest form of love that I have ever experienced in my life is Christ. Mm. And the most purest form of goodness and and all the things that I long for are in Christ. So if that if I see that he is in me and a part of me, that that's the dignity of that. It's it's integrated into who I am. It's in my very being. Golly, what a what a way to to love myself. And from that I can give away what I now have versus living most of my life not giving being able to give away because I don't have it. Is it possible that you could have other words for that? Like for those of us that come from a Christian tradition, it would be in Christ, but is there other language? Is there other words that can be helpful to people um, to know that somehow they're centered? Like I think we all believe in like a universal Christ that's much bigger than just the Christ of Christianity, but, (laughs) you know, the source of, of love and energy that gave birth to the cosmos and, you know, and that's a much broader way of understanding Christ. But what other language might we give to this if, if that's a hard leap for someone to begin? I think in unconditional Christ? love is a great mm-hmm. substitution. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, identity change for uh, was at the heart of these farmers' decision to grow peanuts. And maybe for some of us, seeds of possibility is we just need to see something new. Something's not working right now. And but a peanut farmer is not a cotton farmer, right? But the one thing that remains the same is being a farmer. And I think, you know, there's something that maybe isn't working, but maybe it isn't like um, a whole new identity we need, but maybe it's a, a new leaf being unturned, a new part of us, a new understanding of of who we are that just reveals that we're much broader than, than, than what we thought. But most people can't transition into the person they want to become because they believe their identity is fixed. So how do we grow this? Seth, in grace, we are no longer measured by failure. And this is an important thing. We need a question we need to answer if we're really going to grow. But when we make a mistake, do we identify more with the voice of accusation or the voice of possibility? Hmm. Right. That's so central to which way we're going to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, as, as Scott says, uh, grace is the most powerful force in the universe, right? And, and it's mm-hmm. outside the realm of, of measurements. Um, and I think when you understand that the practicality, if you will, of grace is for our wholeness, then I think you understand that wholeness doesn't mean perfection. Actually, it, it helps you, grace helps you realize that mistakes are integral to to life, to being a whole person, to being a healthy person. And I think this concept of grace then invites you into the identity that you already are beloved without doing a, a dang thing, you know, without doing anything. You mm-hmm. already are. Uh, Brennan Manning says, 
that God loves us as we are, not as we should be. And so, yeah, like, do you, do we react from our mistakes because we're trying to, you know, prove our value as um, outside of belovedness? Or this is a, it's not condoning, you know, unhealthy behavior, but it is saying this is a part of, of my journey. This is what happens on, on the path toward growing and becoming who I am. You know, more, most healthy paths look like more steps backwards in the beginning than, than steps forward. But yeah, I just think this, this identity that we're talking about is beloved. We are already loved for who we are, just as we are, no matter what. We have not done a single thing. We just are loved. That's, that's us. What I love about that, Seth, is that what I was thinking is that if Christ is in me, if we are one, mm. it's permanent. I, mm-hmm. I can't can't do anything to lose it. It's 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 who I am, and I, I think that's a big part of transformation. Just becoming aware of this is here. Christ is is in me. Um, that's it's much easier for me to operate from that mental mindset. That you know. I can't screw this up like I can screw up everything else because because I know that I can screw it up with you guys and and there's a possibility that you guys but I can't if Jesus is in me Christ is in me if we are one um, I don't earn it I can't lose it it's who I am but I think that for Paul when the scales of his eyes fell off he really saw this truth mm. and I think for many of us when for me with the scales falling off my eyes were. Um, I started to lose shame, and um, grace penetrated that. And uh, you know, I'm I'm your your mind, Scott. And on your worst day and on your best day, and every day in between, there's nothing will ever. What you said in that last podcast, George, nothing can ever ever separate you from my love because we're 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 together in this. So the seeds of possibility for you, Scott, is how shame is hindering the experience of being just in the presence of Christ because you, you, you don't have to earn it. You're, you're already in it. And shame somehow gets in the way of possibility, doesn't it? Of what you could become when, when, when you believe that voice. It's, it's operating as Thompson says to thwart that plan. Mm. Shame is, is destructive. I think wow. that also ties back into what we what we believe about God. Like, do we believe that mm-hmm. God is love or do we believe that God is expectation, right? Because if God is expectation of us, for us, uh, that we can't possibly live up to, then that's going to just lead to shame and defeat. But if we believe that we are loved unconditionally and that that is in us and part of us and can't be undone or um, we're going to show up in the world really differently. Yeah, if I could also piggyback on that because it's what we are all doing and it's fun. I I ask my kids this thing every night before they go to bed. Who are you? And before their name, they know to say, "I am loved." And, wow. And and uh, it's it's this thing where you know I'm trying to sub, like build into their their psyches, their subconscious. Like I know who I am, mm-hmm. and and we even so we we use that that kind of groundwork, and I ask them like. They under, or at least they understand like the reason people do things that maybe aren't good uh, is that they're forgetting who they are. And so I, I think one way to draw it back to this is that seeds of possibility are that we're always 
forever being invited to remember and realize who we are. Mm -hmm. I love it. Wow. Let's just go ahead and give you the Father's Day award right now. (laughs) (laughs) In September for June next year. (laughs) Yeah, that is, that is, that is wonderful. Well, in the book, you quoted uh, James Clear, Scott, and he says, research has shown that once a person believes in a particular aspect of their identity, they're more likely to act in alignment with that belief. So I think that's why it's so important that what we do in failure, you know, do we, do we believe that that's who we are or do we, does that become our identity? And then we become trapped in it essentially is what he's saying here. And a lot of that is how we measure ourselves against the world around us. Right. And, and other people. So, and I want you to speak to this. How do we free ourselves from uh, the world of measurements where we measure ourselves against the world. I know I have these. I don't know if you guys do, but you know, how beautiful or how handsome are we? Uh, How much money do we have? How much fame? How much success? Like there's all these measurements. And I think sometimes our identity starts from a place of a deficit instead of seeds of possibility, right? Absolutely. I think um, especially uh, depending on your origin story and what it is that you were taught to value in life and and where you fall on that spectrum of like natural gifts, abilities, bents, um, if those are happen to be in alignment with what you were taught to value, it can be quite devastating. I know for me, this has been in the, in the, these past couple of years, just the undoing of the identity that I had adopted of who I should be, of the roles that I should play and what it should look like for me. Basically being a a square peg, trying to fit myself into a round hole and, and not having success in that and just continually being like just frustrated and disillusioned with life because I was not living out of possibility. I was really trying to confine myself to what I believed I needed to be. Um, and to begin to shed that and see new possibilities that, Hey, maybe God does love me unconditionally. Even if I'm not able to make my marriage work, even if, um, I don't have Mm -hmm. kids who are thriving academically or spiritually or physically, you know, maybe that isn't the measure of who I actually am. Maybe me just showing up in the world and being authentically, who I am and asking for my needs to be met and showing up for myself and trying to just love others well along the way, instead of trying to play this role that really isn't, doesn't feel very authentic. I am seeing the world and myself in a whole new way. And, um, I do feel like there's just so much more grace in that, uh, and so much more freedom in saying that, Hey, like it is okay if, by the standards that I was given or handed as a child, like this is what this is what it looks like to be a a good Christian woman. Like you need you need to be married. You need to be uh, a mom of kids who are obedient and are well dressed and well groomed and healthy and athletic and academic and all of these things. Like these ridiculous measurements that the world uses. Um, and I will say that I have I have not met any of them. <laughs> I tried with all of my might and failed on every single front. And to just sit in that and say, what looks like failure on the world's front is actually 
success for me because for the first time I'm living my life and not playing a role and just trying to be authentic in the fact that I'm limited. I can't do all these things and that formulas that were handed to me for success don't always work. Mm, that let, let's let's hang out here for just a second because I just I think you just said mm. a lot there. And Seth, you kind of um noted it too that when we think of seeds of possibility, we always think that somehow it might be not having to accept things actually as they actually are, right? And it's like the notion of thinking about seeds of possibility when things aren't exactly like we hope them to be, to believe that that's possible would be a wonderful gift because I think we wear ourselves out sometimes trying to work ourselves out of things. And even like we're created with with limits. And so there's just, it starts with acceptance, right? Let's let's talk about that just for a minute, that seeds of possibility might actually begin in a place of brokenness, in a place where things aren't the way we would hope them to be, and that that still could be a place where we thrive and where we grow, and we could become more of who we are. It just looks different than what we thought, right? Because right. maybe we've always been trying to be a cotton farmer, but we're actually meant to be a peanut farmer, and we wouldn't have known mm. had the cotton crop not failed. Yeah. Mm. Tell yeah. me that. Good. By the way, I'm not, I'm not a cotton farmer, it turns out. <laughs> I tried really hard. <laughs> yeah, if I could on that, I, I think a lot of, at least for me, ex- experientially in my life, one of the only ways that I have been able to distance myself from you know the measurements of the world to try and fit in or, or live up to is exactly that, distancing myself. I... I've had to separate myself from what was passed down to me and what culture has told me in order to fit in, to to belong or to be right or good. Yeah. Um, mm. I had to separate myself from that in order to reconnect to reality. These are all, you know, h- handed down or, you know, their interpretation of, of reality. And, you know, if it doesn't actually on some level align with how it's supposed to work for me, then I'm just, I'm operating with somebody else's stuff. Yeah. And I think that's going to catch up to you at some point. But I'm also, I just, I was, I think I've mentioned on here before, I was very drawn to the Christian monastics in high school and have been since. One one idea that not a lot of people know is that, you know, there's an assumption that monks leave and forever they're always gone in the desert. Mm-hmm. The original, original monastics, they actually left so that they could return because mm-hmm. Christianity had become the popular religion of the day and no one it's like the Southern Christian. Well, it's just your, yeah, I'm a Christian because I'm from the South, whatever. And it's it's people like us who are like, this isn't just a religious part of my heritage. I actually want what I do and say and to, to inform, you know, uh, my how life. How I live. Yeah, how yeah. I live. And so I need to distance myself. I need to leave this in order to return to, you know, to show that this is a real thing. This isn't just a Sunday thing. This is actually my life. It informs every aspect. Scott, I would imagine that it's difficult for any human being to, and you guys use the serenity prayer a lot, you know, at the end of your group meetings, which I find really be beautiful. But um, I think it says something about it's hardship that's the the pathway to peace, right? Isn't that, I think, part of the prayer? But I think it, it, it can be really difficult for any human being to see... See, understand seeds of possibility that, first of all, they're having to let go of something. Mm. 
um, whether it's a dream, whether it's an understanding. So help us here. Help us understand how seeds of possibility could grow even there. Because it isn't just the most difficult things are wiped away and it's like all of a sudden we you know, are free from that. Sometimes it's finding seeds of possibility when every day could be hard, right? Yeah, that's very possible. That Many people listening to this, that's, that is their human condition right now. I mean, the, the word possible, possibilities, uh, obviously has a strong hopeful connotation to it. It makes me hopeful. You tell me something is possible, change is possible, things can be different. But but what I'm I go back to what Viktor Frankl said that which is hard for me to hear sometimes, but it's just so powerfully true. When he said, When circumstances will not change, we must change. Mm. And so what is always possible is that I can change. It's always possible. Most of the time, I'm still attached to outcomes. I'm still attached to the, what I want to be possible is it will work themselves out. Circumstances will work themselves out this way. But the longer I live, the more times I face circumstances that are not going to change. And uh, if I'm attached to that, it pulls me down with it. I'm going to be. I'm going to lead me to hopelessness. It's going to lead me to despair. So how do I find hope? of possibilities in the face of difficult circumstances. It's me and, and mm. my spiritual journey and my spiritual response to that. Um, and I know one thing, George, and Seth and Annie mm. cannot make that journey alone. Yeah. Because there's going to be grief, there's going to be pain, there's going to be suffering. But there is a hope in that, um, and I like, I was going to say I like what the guy wrote here, Um in the very last paragraph. Isn't that guy you? <laughs> me, me, me and Are you going to quote yourself? Here we go. <laughs> it says, if we do not detach ourselves from things in order to mm -hmm. attach ourselves to God, but rather we become detached from ourselves in order to see and use all things in and for God. So that means mm -hmm. even in my suffering, I can use these things. There's good possibilities that it will it can reflect some goodness and positive aspects of my life, even though it's not what I had wanted to see happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I like think that's. I'm not trying to. I have I have had to learn that things are not always going to work out the way that I want them to, um, and I struggle with that. And sometimes my faith is uh, my faith is tied to an attachment. God, make this work out this way. And, and that puts God in a difficult position with me when, because many of us have known people who, my dad, I watched my dad die of cancer and I watched my mom die of Alzheimer's and it was not going to change. It was not going to change. Um, and I've this, had, it sounds like Scott, it starts with surrender of circumstances and surrender of oneself to the thing I can control is how I'm responding to this, how exactly. in the midst of it being transformed and how I experience this. And I, I think ultimately that does lead to circumstances changing, but maybe not all the ones that, that we hope to, but yeah, that, 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 that notion of surrendering that to who am I becoming in this and how can I respond in a way that I'm being more healthy with the circumstances that 
I have to accept. Yeah, that's. And, and that, George, is the mm-hmm. possibilities. That yeah. is what is always possible. Those are seeds of possibility to have that kind of surrender. Yes. Right? It's a hard path, though. It is not a not an easy path. I wouldn't plan on doing this, but I just want to read. You guys do this at the end of every group. Um, read a part of the serenity prayer but um, from Reinhold Niebuhr. But I want to read this, and then would you guys just comment on this? Uh, you guys do this at the end of every group. But God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking the world as it is, trusting that you will make all things right. Mm-hmm. It's a prayer of surrender, right? And and we don't maybe think that seeds of possibility is a prayer of surrender. It doesn't start with surrender. We think seeds of possibility is going and grabbing some, right? Or reaching for the gold. Um, but this is more of a posture of accepting the world as it is, and even perhaps accepting hardship as a pathway to peace and trusting that ultimately things will be made right. But when you guys share that at the end of groups, what's that feel like? What do you experience with other people as they pray that prayer? I think it's a good reminder that there are ways that we can show up, but we can't ultimately control every aspect of how life goes and Mm. uh, the need to, to, press into wisdom and discernment to know, okay, where is it that I need to show up in this and where do I need to release control and, and trust that the outcome is going to be what it needs to be. Um, and I think it's just a good reminder of the tension between showing up and letting go. Mm. Well said, Anna. Trying to sort of think in mind of uh, the conversation we've already had, um, for me, that that prayer is, in a sense, a way to remember c- together that our our value is not based on measurement. Mm. That there's nothing that qualifies you for the spiritual life. That who you are is is already, as we've been saying over and over, beloved. And that that re- that prayer is just a, a reminder to say, even when you forget, even when you like, don't stop trying. Don't stop, you know, devoting your life to becoming the most loving person you can be and the healthiest person you can be. But know that because your value isn't based in perfection, it's based in wholeness, you can always get back up. Always. It's the experience of, um, I know when I've experienced this in group, it's it's actual peace. Hmm. It's like, and when you're not doing it alone and, you know, you're experiencing this with others, it actually feels possible. <laughs> and so I know my experience regularly in praying this prayer at the end of a group is one of leaving with just greater peace and trust that no matter what, I'm, go- I'm going to make it. Scott, you ended this day with what new seeds do you want to plant? What a great question to ask. Um, so what's the what's what's takeaway at the end of this? And, and how do we do that? How do, how do we become more aware or how do we identify the, the new seeds that we, we want to plant? I think we, we, we build awareness within our circumstances, especially in a healing community. I mm-hmm. begin to, as I, I heard this one prayer, I, God, you waited for me to see, you patiently waited for me to see what you wanted me to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we begin to see those things, 
Now we can plant a seed. The, the visual and the, and the idea of planting a seed means it's going to take time. It's going to have to be mm. watered and fed and so that it may grow. And, um, you know, I'm going to have to watch for weeds not coming in there. And so, so it's, a, it's a very spiritual concept, uh, the idea of planting a seed and watching it grow. Um, but I, And that's that last part of that, George, is growth. Um, I think growth is what uh, it's to me the most important thing in life. Um, am I in a, am I planting seeds and are they growing? And are we growing into and becoming the best version of us that we can be? Like Seth was saying, am I becoming more loving? Am I becoming just a, a better man? And that process, I believe, goes on until we die. We should never cease to grow. And so I heard this years ago, but I think I've said it even before on all these podcasts, but the social scientists that studied the, studied the human brain and found that the speed of our intellect was greater when we were young. It peaked out in its 20s and it starts to slow down. But what they found is that older people, even their 70s and 80s, got the highest ratings as professors and teachers at universities. And the reason is, is because you gather wisdom as you get older. And I think wisdom is a seed that grows if we water it and if we're a part of it. And where do we get, where do we develop wisdom? From mistakes and learning from them. And so um, I just hope that the listeners are, this is inspiring them because it inspires me whenever we even prep for these, these podcasts. Because what I get is a sense of grace that I grow from my mistakes, I learn from them, I'm not perfect, and circumstances truly are beyond my control. That serenity prayer sometimes just saves me, you know. Um, wow. Aware- Scott, you're saying awareness and patience yes. um, <laughs> or how the seeds of possibility grow. And in, in a culture and in a world that everything's so fast and, and instant, yeah, our spirituality works at a completely different speed, which is, I would say, the speed of love. God is love, right? And so love works much slower than other things in the world. But um, the truth is we can all awaken and grow and trust that speed a little more because it's actually what leads to, to well-being. I, I want to just wrap this up. Um, you quoted Thomas Merton at the end of this, and I think it kind of speaks to what you were just saying, Scott. But uh, he said, I must learn, therefore, to let go of the familiar and the unusual and consent to what is new and unknown to me. I must learn to leave myself in order to find myself by yielding to the love of God. If I were looking for God, every event and every moment would sow in my will grains of his life that would spring up one day in a tremendous harvest. That's what we're trusting in, the love of God to produce these beautiful seeds of possibility. Yes, that may not come as fast as we would like them to, but honestly, friends, it's a much more healthy kind of growth if we can learn to trust it. So uh, we're so glad you listened today, and we hope you take away from this some seed of possibility that can produce something beautiful and good wherever you find yourself. But although every one of us uh, are on a different path. We're all in this same human journey today. That's what Restore is all about. And we'd love for you to visit us at uh, restoresmallgroups.org to learn more about uh, groups that you can join or if it's just some resource. Um, Scott has a wealth of, of books there to help in just 
different seasons of life, different things that we might be going through. So yeah, visit us online. See if you could find something there. If we could journey with you, we would love to journey with you in some uh, meaningful way. But over every mountain, there is a path and the future rewards those who discover it and press on. So stay on the path and take care, friends. Farmers in Alabama erected a monument as a tribute to a disaster. <laughs> yeah, a monument erected to a tribute to 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 a to more outtakes for the end. It's great. Yes, never too many. Outtakes. I, hey, how come I'm filling them all up? You guys aren't. <laughs> I must be doing too no, much talking. You're just, you, you're, un, unfortunately, you're the one that carries the brunt of the responsibility hey, to drive this thing. I'll, and we're I will so take grateful. Them. I will gladly take them. <laughs> I'm learning to live with more fully with the unimpressiveness of myself. So... <laughs>